Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. Welcome to the Nest of Vipers, cultural chit-chat by and for ne'er-do-wells and know-it-alls everywhere. And nattering to Bob's, Danny. You and keep leaving that out. I keep leaving that <laughs> out. Week after week. I, I need to feed you something to get you going. And and in the studio today, here on my left, as always, for now, we have uh, Tony B. And Tony B, what, uh, Tony B, actually, uh, our group of fundits today include yeah, that's true. Tony B. Can you, can you talk about the fundit scenario here? Well, it, it's sort of like a pundit, but we like to have a good time. We like to joke around a little <laughs> bit. We like to uh, amuse as well as educate, hence fundit. Uh, all right, very good. And sitting across from me, we have the fabulous Bucky Sinister, my favorite author, my favorite writer here in the here Aww. in the Bay Area. And then over here to my right, giving the show a degree of credibility today, we have an actual <laughs> librarian in the house, Nicole Hunter. Ooh. And and libraries are on our minds because today the topic is books that would make great movies and how Hollywood would ruin them. So we will start with Mr. Sinister. Hey, thanks. Uh, I picked Hamlin Rye by Charles Bukowski because it was uh, the second Bukowski book I read and the one that really made me a total Bukowski fanboy. What, what was the first one you read? Uh, it was called Terror Street in Agony Way. It's not a print. It's a book of poems. But like Hamlin Rye, was, I read it when I was 19. and It's about Bukowski's childhood uh, from his very early years all the way up to when he graduates from high school. It's just the, kind of the worst, darkest like young adult book out there. Like it's not really a young adult book, but it's, if it, I mean, it's just so dark and creepy and horrible, and it just ends that way too. It's just like yeah, and life's horrible. There's no redemption. Nothing good happens at the end. And I was like, wow, this is this book tells it like it is. Now, if someone made it, they would have to change the end, right? Well, one, one of the things about Bukowski's life uh, is that he was horribly disfigured by what they called acne vulgaris. Which is uh, like these kind of boils, uh, this acne that's like that's, that's like golf ball size, Super pretty acne. much. Yeah, yeah, and he had to have it treated at but, the hospital. But they in, in, they in have something for that now, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I I guess it would be even... so unrealistic today. The kids would be like, "Well, just go to the doctor. You get what is it?" There's yeah, a, well, it's I mean, if Accutane, just, right? yeah, you know, Accutane. They did it like as a period period piece. It gives you, you know, blood and, poisoning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we did it like as a period piece, and you said in the thirties, whatever. Like, the thing is, you're gonna have to find someone. Wait, who... are there are all these blood poison teens running around? <laughs> they allege that they aren't, but when if you take Accutane, you have to get your blood tested every month or something uh, in order to make sure you don't have too much lead in your blood. Wow. So maybe wow. that what they would do now is they would make him have that mask disease, what? and they could make it like a yeah, second, yeah. like a like the and mask great. too. <laughs> but no, it, it's just like the, the, one of the problems with, with a lot of the. Uh, people like that. I'll bring this up again for the Charles Willerford thing. Uh, is that there's not really a whole lot of ugly actors working out there, and and that's kind of what you have to do. Is like Bukowski's physical appearance was. He said it was frightening. He said he frightened small children. You know, that's that's the kind of thing. I mean, it would if you put like Michael Pitt or somebody who would probably end up getting the role, it would just be this kind of this weird like good looking kid like loping through the the hallway. You wouldn't understand that like people were getting out of this man's way as a teenager. No one would like no no one would even look at him because he he looked so horrifying. And that that's probably the best. They probably get a, some really good looking actor to play him, and then it would. I, I think they'd get someone like Beck. 
I'm thinking it'd be some like kind <laughs> yeah. of it'd be a vanity project for someone. Is... I'm gonna be this horribly disfigured Bukowski. And it's like <laughs> I, back I think, with I, a. I think the first problem they would have with it is the actual sandwich itself. I mean, it yeah, it's yeah. A, kind it, of an is anachronistic that a TM kind of thing. Well, it's just an anachronistic sandwich. Yeah, I mean, like, who what eats, is rye? You know, <laughs> ham on rye. I mean, it would be more like chicken on ciabatta. To wrap, maybe like, they could, they could a little bit more low carb or something. Like, how about like you know, yeah, like it just it's like a patty with with a lettuce leaf wrapped around it because we can't have any bread. Like, it just this rye thing is like too much of a carb load. We can't have that. Well, and it's ethnic. Like, it's too ethnic. Too yeah, ethnic. yeah. yeah the, the other things. I mean, <laughs> ethnic. There's there's a lot of ways that you know this this book would be ruined. And in other ways, he also had like severe. He was severely abused by his father as a young man. He was beaten with a razor strap repeatedly. And then by the time he started grade school, that's all before he got into grade school. When he, you know, he was already had some kind of weird dissociative disorder, and was like really mean and violent because his father beat him every day, and so all the other kids were kind of frightened of him, and and he beat the crap out of him. So I, I don't know, it's just like that kind of thing. It's just so dark that I think they would just leave a lot of it out and be like, oh, here, here's a guy who had, had a problem with a girlfriend or something. I think they would just probably ruin it and change everything like the, the entire story the character and his parents and yeah then they would not have it be set in the 30s and have it be in a mall or something i don't know i, I you look at the other like there's there's a bukowski movie coming actually in, in february uh factotum yeah factotum matt dillon and and here here we go again like matt is, Dill- is matt dillon playing bukowski yes matt See, that's the problem bukowski. right there yeah yeah i mean you need someone like you I know like matt at, dillon at the, at the very best you need steve buscemi but right. like, like it would be best if you could get like maybe or Benicio uh, del Toro. Yeah, he, or... Like Bukowski looked more like someone like a uh, like a Nick Nolte does now. I mean, someone who really <laughs> looks like he's been kind of hit by a car. You know, yeah, remember and, in uh, there's something about Mary Matt Dillon put in those big teeth. So you know, yeah, he... no, it's, it's more than that. Like like you know, like there's a there's this kind of look that you get like you know when you when you slept outside too many times and you know that kind of thing. Like it's it's. It's like actresses gaining weight for roles. That's like they really can't brave. just find. That's incredibly brave. Yeah. You know, well, going yeah. I mean, up from g- 105 to 120. Yeah, where else would they find a fat person in this country? <laughs> you yeah. know, and or I mean, an ugly like, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Oh, we can't do that. Let's use prosthetics to make this guy look like everyone else looks like. You know. <laughs> so it, I think you know. I think one way they would ruin the Bukowski movie because right. I mean, all these movies have to have. Right, some kind of happy ending that at least you persevere, right? And he becomes this famous writer. So right, I almost right. think it would start with him on the deathbed or at the funeral with yeah. all like the montage of all all his death notices on this great guy. So like immediately, yeah. you know, well, he might get beaten, he might be kind of ugly by Hollywood standards, but at <laughs> least right, he becomes this famous writer. Yeah. Right. So would there be the scene, I'm going to be a great writer one day, Dad. You got to let me. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. He made it kind of at about 50, 50 51 when Post Office came out, I think. Like, yeah. You know. No one no one needs to know that, though. As long as he just climbed, you know, crawled up the mountain and, yeah. you know, made it. It's also this, this kind of message, too, that if you uh, drink all your life and smoke a lot, it, you'll You'll be all right. Like, I don't know if they really want to get that across either. That, like, you know. Well, it seems like there'd be some good natural product placements, though. Right. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. All, all liquor oh, and absolutely. cigarettes. Absolutely. Acne uh, products there. Yeah, you know, just like, you know. Clear Cell. Clear Cell Theater presents. Like, you just have on, like, some, like, <laughs> ABC, ABC Cell, family. Clear like, Cell and Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what were, you, what were you thinking were good adaptations? Uh, Requiem for a Dream was uh was was do you great. think so yeah yeah i thought it was great adaptation I, like you know if you, but, but they were okay here i mean i actually liked requiem for dream but the thing that i hated is one of the things we we're just talking about is like 
it was this kind of sexy, good-looking junkie. Yeah, yeah, of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Of the Jared Leto, but but you get to, you get but, to see his arm come that, off. Like, well, there, yeah, there's okay. these things like like Jared Leto is this guy. Like, there's a lot of movies where people just want to maim him, right? Like American Psycho, <laughs> he gets an axe in the head, and you know we see what like even Brad Pitt can't stand it. Brad Pitt just like smashes his face into the ground. Or is that Edward Norton? He gets his face smashed into the concrete in Fight Club. You know, at this point, everyone just hates Jared Leto so much. And I think it's because of the character he played on My So-Called Life, which, you know, everyone, like, all the nerds just hated that guy. He was, like, the, the you know, the enemy. And then when they all grew up and became directors, they're like, I'm going to put Jared Leto in every movie and destroy him. I could segue into another book that we're going to do. I thought The Cockfighter, uh, Charles Wilford's The Cockfighter was yeah. really good. All right. Well, actually, said Miami Blues worked really well, too. You think so? Yeah. yeah like Alec Baldwin and that. Well, it's the same thing. Like, well, in Miami Baldwin. Blues, the character is supposed to be like really old and have dentures and everything. And This is a good segue. So, Anthony, I guess the one thing that I didn't do at the beginning of the show was mention all the books that everyone's going to be doing. So, obviously, Bucky's doing Hammer Eye. Tony B, you're going to be doing Burn Orange Heresy, Charles Williford. The Burn Orange Heresy, yeah. Uh, Nicole will be discussing the classic Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. Which would have also been a good segue from Ham and Rye, but... You know. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, because it is a young adult thing. It is a you young know. adult thing. Are you there, God? It's me, Charles Bukowski. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will be... I've already forgotten what I'm doing. Cotton Comes to Harlem by Chester Himes. So, well, let's talk Charles Williford. Burn Orange Heresy. Without giving away any spoilers. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to give away spoilers on this show? Look, Mar- Martin Scorsese oh, can do it in every documentary about movies <laughs> he makes, so I don't see why we can't. You have to say spoiler alert before. Spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler alert. And we alert. need a sound. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> All right, well, I guess the uh, the basic synopsis is that uh, there's a an, there's a uh, kind of an art critic who lives in West Palm Beach, James Figueres, and uh, he's sort of like a... You know, he's a little bit down on his luck, but he's he's a bit, he's a definite very he's, he's like a major kind of art world social climber, and uh, he's got a really irritating girlfriend. And uh, through a series of events, he makes contact with a um, there's uh, like some rich patron or somebody who he meets through the museum that tells him uh, that there's this one of the most infamous uh, reclusive artists who is living somewhere, you know, in the state of Florida. And he offers to tell him where he, the guy is living in exchange for, uh, James stealing a painting. Like when he actually goes to make the visit, the, the deal is I'll tell you where the, where this guy lives because it's this kind of thing. It could help make Figueres career. If he can actually track this guy down and get some sort of interview or, you know, make contact with him when the art world hasn't heard from him in decades. And so, uh, he agrees to steal the painting and, uh, he goes up there with his girlfriend. Uh, there's all this buildup. You know, he finally, like, you know, gets into the guy's house, talks to him. And, you know, apparently all of the, um, oh, what's his name? It's uh, Jacques, uh, Jacques Debaru. And uh, he finally, like, after a series of meetings, gets into the inner sanctum. Is that French or French-Canadian? Uh, he's he's a French. He's actually kind of like a he's he's, he's sort of like um, like a, a mix of like a Dadaist, surrealist, or even like a proto Dadaist who was famous for. Proto, like, what year is this set? Well, well, th- this is all taking place in the 1980s. But this guy Jacques da- Devereaux. I think Dada is, happened. Well, no, 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 but I mean, but Jacques <laughs> Devereaux is like in his 80s. And he was doing artwork in like whenever it was like in born proto data. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he was doing artwork in like the teens or twenties and you know, and he was really famous for his most famous art piece, I believe was a crack, a crack on the wall surrounded by the frame. Ah, I get it. 
And so uh, I don't know why, but I know what I like. <laughs> and uh, you know, so I mean, it's definitely like a whole art world piss take. You know, the yeah. like the whole the whole book is definitely very concerned with with that. So when when Figueres finally makes his way into the inner sanctum of of Deborah's house, he finds after all this hype and build up a blank canvas. And it comes. Oh, wait, hold on. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> wait, don't listen. Rewind. <laughs> Rewind your digital media. Spoiler. And you were saying? I just feel like this is a book report. Well, anyway, so then what happens is. I just graded some of those. B minus. <laughs> and that's because you're trying. <laughs> Did you make a shadow box to. Uh... Is, is there a diorama little, little that poster, comes with this? A little poster board. No, but you're, you're going to be able to download a little QuickTime movie of my sh- uh, hand puppet, my little shadow hand puppet reenactment. Anyway, so Figueres basically finds that there's nothing there, and he, after it had been built up in his mind so much, he completely freaks out. And, uh, Wait, is this about to be a spoiler? This is more spoiler alert. Boop, 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 boop. He, like, he kills the guy. He kills the guy. It, he kill he he kills the old artist, burns his house down. But before he does, he steals all of his art supplies. Now that sounds like good art, though, right there. It also sounds like making yeah. it up because you paused. Well, You're no, like, no, he and does. He uh, kills the guy. No, he does. It's like he, well, you tell like you read half the book and then you get the report. You're like, I read the back of the book jacket. I'm just it, trying, it says to, I'm just trying to skip ahead to the end. He does kill him, but before he does, he steals his art supplies so that he can paint. His own his own blank canvas. his own version of what the you know the artwork is is you know supposed to be because yeah. he's going to be around to dispute it. You know you know why does he need the, the art supplies? Yes, he was. I'm sorry. Why does he need that guy's art supplies? It's just you know it's for that extra level of authenticity. I, I'm not really sure that Hollywood would really be so into the whole idea of again like burnt or orange or heresy or like any of those kind of words. I was, I was <laughs> kind of thinking I, the never... crispy blue controversy. Yeah, well, heresy, religion, we're going to be talking about religion later, right? I mean, people love religion, right? People, some people do love religion, (laughs) so I've been told. Anyway, I I don't don't know, I was was just thinking, it's it's one of those movies that, or the book itself, it's very harsh and violent and a complete piss take on the art world. Well, the average Joe hates the art world, so I see that that to be a big selling point. Mm -hmm. People who love religion tend to hate the art world. And right. Florida's really big. Yeah. People love Florida in the movies. Yeah, you know, it brings up the other thing I was talking about before, though. It's like in the, in the Wilford book, the people aren't necessarily pretty or whatever. And it's like in Cockfighter, it was like Warren Oates and Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. You know, it's like people like that who are great actors, but just kind of looked a little weird. And there's just like this kind of lack of interesting faces right now. Who are, who are the weird looking people now? Like someone like Chris Cooper, who's not particularly weird looking. But- but he's sort of invisible looking. Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, uh, yeah it's sort of non-threatening. But you said Buscemi. Not even like the old character actors and stuff. You know, you just people like Edward G. Robinson. Man, he looked like he he did kill a few guys. You know, like yeah, he's gonna like Peter Lorre. I mean, yeah, what a yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Was. Yeah. Oh, geez, you see him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's just wow. Like you know, that's just an amazing. Well, and and those voices, it seemed like there were a bunch of guys who had those weird voices. Like I mean, you could well, Peter Lorre's not around. We'll get Edward G. Robinson. Or now it's like yeah. you don't want the guy with weird voice and who looks weird. You got to get Steve Buscemi, which kind of like right. makes him not so effective anymore. Because right, like, right. oh, it's the weird guy, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, I, I just and, and I mean, even in 
Monsters Inc., right? I mean, the weird, mean animal was Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you couldn't even just get... I mean, there was a moment you could get a good-looking guy to play the weird, creepy, animated animal, but they still had to go yeah. get the one weird guy on the <laughs> right. lot. Yeah, I mean, I guess for Bernard and Charity, it was just that, that feeling that, you know, and you were talking about it, just like how you, you were just afraid that it would be too many pretty people in the movie. Like, right. I mean, these are sort of like average-looking people with really dark psyches and who do really horrible things. You know, and it's just like you'd wind up with somebody like Johnny Depp. I mean, or worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that's <laughs> you know, that that's a best case. But you would Brad you know, Pitt, Matt Dillon. Know. Well, he loves art, Brad Pitt, and architecture. So he would probably want to be in the. He'd probably be the person to spearhead it. The would, there, would there be a speedboat chase at some point? <laughs> Airboat. <laughs> that, well, Airboat you know, like through that, the, the been, Does the art get stolen? I wasn't following that. Um, in, in your play-by-play. In my B minus book report, <laughs> did you read that part? <laughs> yeah, don't you remember the speedboat chase? Right. <laughs> so, what about the annoying girlfriend? They could get somebody like. Uh, oh, what's her? You know who I'm talking about, right? I don't Cameron even know Diaz? her name. Well, sure, no, be, no. Who like? Well, they would, they would do it, Betty. They would do it the oh, other way around, where it's Renee just like Zellweger. Where, where she's like, like uh, she's annoying at first, but then becomes a girlfriend at the end. Like, you know, just like, you know, just one of those things where they both walk on the screen, I hate you. No, I hate you. And then, the, you know, in the third act, they're like looking at each other all googly eyed. And then like finally at the last scene, they walk off holding hands. Well, how, how big is the romance angle in the book? Can we build that up? You could build it up, actually. She's sort of the uh, the lodestone. You know, he's, he's trying to ditch her pretty much the entire time. And uh, he actually uses her as the bait, preying upon the fact that the dirty old Frenchman is going to open up his house to the hot bim, and uh, that's kind of what gets them in in the first place. So I mean, that would be played up, right? They'd probably just find a way to to downplay the actual, you know, art world critique. Yeah, or they would not make it art. They would make it some sort of heist movie oh, where they yeah. were heisting. It's like the guy had jewels or the Ark of the Covenant or something in his house, and then <laughs> he had to steal that. Some religious sort <laughs> of artifact. There we go. The that Shroud was- of Turin. <laughs> Thereby justifying the word heresy in the title. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah they could have tied into Da Vinci Code somehow. There would be like. Well, the know. heretic, exorcist heretic bombed, so I, I think they'd probably want to avoid. Yeah, we're, we're, kind of, we're low on heretics right now. Do you have anything in blasphemy? Or, uh, <laughs> the bright like orange blasphemy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because heretic, heresy is just the, testing the, really the, low. The burnt like, liberal <laughs> blasphemy? <laughs> we would tie in, like, the actual Holy Grail turns out to be a, a, a cup and not a bloodline of Christ. Is, Supposed to Da Vinci Code. Yeah, he's got it. Have you just moved into the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> oh, I just kind of, yeah, we we'll kind of segued over there with the uh, segue or is, is it a tangent? They, I think it's a tangent. <laughs> I don't think it's a segue at all. It's a it's tangent. A seg- segue it's to a, a tangent. A, a, a segue implies some kind of foreknowledge or forethought. I was just talking. <laughs> Are they making a movie of the Da Vinci Code? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you think? <laughs> well, I guess so. Yeah, well, it's going to be Tom Hanks and Audrey yes. Tattoo. It's going to be the. Oh, it is Audrey Tattoo. I was yeah, trying it is to because that would be she tests really well internationally, and it's so they're looking to make. And she's young. They're looking to make Titanic movie on this, uh, t- Titanic money and they on will. this one. And so they need people who do really well so, in but, international but, market. But is again, it a really good? Is it a good book? I believe it's. I not having read it, I can't believe it is. No, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, like, there's this book a long time ago called Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which is... Uh, is an adaptation of the Monty Python movie? <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, it's kind of like, it's written like a true crime book, and it's about the same subject. So this guy kind of writes a more fictionalized version of that. The one that's like a little bit easier, Holy Blood, Holy Grail kind of more went into the actual kind of history and kind of posed it as like, well, this this might have happened like this. If it did happen, it would have happened 
here and there, and here are where the gaps are, and here's what we don't know. And uh, the Da Vinci Code, it's like, well, that, all that kind of fact and history stuff is just it just bogs down this this cool story about you know Jesus getting it on, you know. So let's talk about that. <laughs> You know. It's like wait, the Jesus getting it on. Yeah, with 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 Audrey Tattoo. What's her name? No, I, her Amelie. Na- I Amelie. I don't, I don't oh, think Jesus I, is getting I, it I on with Amelie. Amelie. Yeah, Not I don't that. think Jesus totally. and Amelie ever got together. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think. Audrey she Tattoo, was so sweet. Although he could have. She was a real because good. Because he could do anything. She liked kind of interesting good weirdos. Is Steve Buscemi playing Jesus? Jesus had a second coming at the at the Cannes Film Festival for the release of Amelie, and they got it on with Audrey Tattoo. I think that's what happened. I think with Burnt Orange Heresy, the thing that would happen, it would become the plot of Ocean's 13. Right? Is that what they're on? I mean, it sounds like. They could George, George slide Clooney. that in there. They would make the artist young and played by uh, uh, Andy Garcia. And it, instead of dealing with the intricacies of you know, the Dadaist, surrealist time period, they could just go straight to, I don't know, some kind of like pop art. Could right. be like herring. Yeah, you know. exactly. I was gonna say, <laughs> you call this art. <laughs> <laughs> My four-year-old sister could do better. Speaking of four-year-old sisters, right? Judy Bloom, are you there, God? <laughs> it's me, Margaret. Yes. Nice out. <laughs> <laughs> I saw my opening. And for the four people who haven't read this book, which three of them may be in this room, uh, that would be most. No, I do now. No, I have two. I have two sisters a year younger than me, so I've read every Judy Bloom book. I have okay. two sisters How older than me. I not only read it like all Judy Bloom books. I've read the V.C. Andrews books as well that came out back then. Well, but you grew up in a religious household, so was it cool that God was in the title? Were your folks? Yeah, it's a little iffy, you know. Uh, it's you know because she doesn't really have like a, a well, what we considered a Christian relationship with God. So well, she's uh, she's eleven years old. She moves yeah. to New Jersey from New York City. She needs to get her life serious. Then she's eleven. She's eleven. She it's needs to make commitment are, to God big, at that point. Big things are coming things. up in her life, and her mom was raised Christian. Her dad was raised Jewish, and they raised her to have no religion. So she decides to take on in her eleventh year, mm-hmm. finding. Religion, but the whole time she has a conversation with with a I was going to say dog with God, so it goes on and on. Which and God, on. the Christian uh, God or the Jewish God? Or God. her dog has long fangs yeah. and its eyes glow her red. Higher power, Cujo. Yeah, she worships Cujo. De- Devil dog, hound of hell. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a movie. Now, that's a. I'd like to read the book that that was adapted yeah. from. I'm going to write that one. That's the next thing I'm working on, a novelization of Devil Dog Hound of Hell. <laughs> to rewrite Longshot, the uh, the foosball movie. <laughs> it's a Leaf Garrett movie. It's called Longshot. Is there a foosball movie? Yes, yeah, yes. Foosball? They film like a sports film, which is what's... Well, I would hope so. It's a sport, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, they show the little like foosball guys in slow motion, like... And like Leaf Garrett... They, but they didn't have the technology of following the ball around the table yet in yeah. that... I think it's like like Christy McNichol or something is his partner, and like you know doubles. You, you can't play foosball. You're a girl, and it's that kind of thing. And, now, like, it, and they go to like this fifty thousand dollar foosball tournament in Vegas, <laughs> and like Leaf Garrett has this move where he like can knock the ball like over all like the other little foosball guys somehow, <laughs> and it, it and it scores. But like he can't just do that every time. He has to wait till like the, the moment. The, yeah, right. yeah, the moment, and then it's like the balls in slow motion. Going, <laughs> spoiler! The balls in slow motion. <laughs> 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 Like, do-do, do-do, do-do. And 
<laughs> Wait, hold on. Is this a spoiler? If you see foosball? Yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah. No, it's yeah. long shot, right? Long yeah. shot. Long you don't shot. want people to go out long and shot. Yeah. foosball I, sorry, like, expecting to see Leif Garrett. Little tangent, so, was, to wasn't Chrissy McNichol, McNichol really big around the time that this book came out? Like she, she actually would have been, been she would have been the ideal in star for suit. this movie. Her little like denim suit that she always wore. Did you see her in, in White Dog? I Sam Fuller movie. Not the greatest movie, no, but the but, worst Sam Fuller movie by far. It's like an ABC after school special. Have if you like, seen Have you seen Shark or, or No, I have No Shark. Return. You might want to hold off. Okay. <laughs> hold off calling the worst <laughs> Sam Fuller movie. White <laughs> but we digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, All right, sorry. so Margaret, right? Margaret. So she doesn't. She doesn't find religion. She gets really angry at God. Wait, did you just stops... ru- you just oh, ruined wait. the movie? No, I'll ru- I'm going to ruin it in a second. I'll <laughs> tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll point at you guys and do the spoiler. All right. Alert. Okay. I think that's what the name of the show should be. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> so she's moved to this town. She meets these girls. They start a club, and um, I think what might happen All if right. this becomes a movie is that the focus would be on the club and the uh, very famous rhyming couplet which they chant. Um, in order to augment mm. oh, their yes. we must, bosom, we must, yeah, yes, please, we, <laughs> we must, we must, we must develop our bust. It's increase, increase, increase that, our bust. That okay. comes Bucky from shoot. that. That's where that comes from. I, I, never, I know the chant, but I never knew the source. So they, she meets these four girls. They go. They do. A, they have a boy book. They say their chant, and then they vow to tell. They have a boy book. Yes, the boy book is a little notebook where they write the list of the boys that they like. Oh. So were this to become a Hollywood movie, I think it would uh, be on focus. like your palm it pilot, would, you know, like a boy. They, palm would, pilot. they would contemporize it. <laughs> They'd be text messaging each other back and forth. Right, and there would be a soundtrack by Hilary Duff. <laughs> And Ashley Simpson, and I or think, is it more like Fiona Apple? Is it more no. the tough? Well, See, no, no, if it saying? were a good movie, I think it would. It would <laughs> if it were a good movie, Fiona Apple would be a step up. Weren't you saying off mic that you thought that maybe they would have a problem trying to actually deal with the the actual God aspects of the book, or like the fact that she well, or ultimate- how she talks to him? Yeah, well, she talks. She just talks to him, and and unfortunately for contemporary audience god does not talk back which is you know something unfortunately for a contemporary audience because it now it seems that what we want is for god to talk to us i mean even actually as far back as oh god right with god Mm -hmm. speaking to us in the form of george burns and (laughs) most recently uh, joan of arcadia joan of arcadia had god speaking to her in the form of russ tamblin if god actually talked back in the form of Steve Buscemi or t- Tab maybe the, Hunter. Maybe the, de- the devil dog. Rip Torn. The devil dog. Rip Torn would be good. I mean, you know, Artie, was, Artie was always kind of the voice of God on Larry Sanders. Yeah, but he would, uh, we'd have to have, a, we'd no, have, to have an not. R rating if it was Rip Torn as God, right? Paul In the saddle. <laughs> so she gives up talking. To, <laughs> she gives up talking to God when her parents have a fight with her, grand, her Christian grandparents who want her to go to church. She gives up talking to God. Uh, her life goes on for about 15 pages, and then <laughs> she, then she gets her period, and that brings her back. Is to that the to sign God. from God? Oh, sort of stigmata style. That was the spoiler alert. Oh wait, <laughs> go, go back, go back. <laughs> Don't listen to that. Hate the rewind. Says she got her period. The original stigmata. Yes, and that is yeah, that, that supposed is... to be some kind of stigmata reference. Or is that heresy? Is that heresy to suggest? Judy Bloom's Jewish, so I'm not sure where she was stand on the stigmata. The other really bad thing that would happen if it became a movie is that she has a grandma 
um, who's single, and that would definitely be cast uh, with Barbara Streisand. And that's like a problem a, this for you. Wacky. It's gonna just. She just because she sucks the life out of everything. Uh, it would be more like probably like you know Kathy Bates or somebody like that. Not Jewish enough. You know, Jewish and Bush. Uh, I mean, like, they would. They would care. They wouldn't Come care. on. Oh, Bette Midler. Bette. And yeah, then yeah. she could. Oh or, no, um, so Barbara Streisand. Or like Rosie O'Donnell. I can be Jewish. I can be Jewish. <laughs> and just like what she about was Bernadette Peters. Oh. Too obscure. Did you see that riding really? bus? That would my be sister? a good. She, yes, I did. Yeah, so I wait, have to say, I, I watched the one? whole thing. Yeah, with what? Rosie O'Donnell playing someone who's retarded, and it was just like the, it was like really like I don't know, I don't know how anyone let her do it. it. Was just like I guess they're just afraid to say no to her at this point. But that's why I think like people like her could just like say, oh yeah, I'll I'll be Jewish for this thing, and, and people would just be afraid to be like, no. I mean, they're gonna let her really insult the you know the developmentally disabled as she did on on, on TV. It's like, look what, how, would know. there be someone retar- Would one of her friends be retarded? No, no. What if they just changed the title to? Are you there, Margaret? It's me, God. And Robin Williams was the voice of God. <laughs> that would where he's doing that, that would be that, that would be, be horrible on all levels. Yeah, where he's doing like God has one of two voices: the uh, the gay man's voice or the black woman's voice. So the two voices like Robin Williams does like repeatedly. Some sort of metaphor, like there's that new um, movie with Traveling Dakota. Well, Dakota Fanning has oh, that Dakota, movie? Well, Dakota Fanning would have to star in this if this were made today, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She yeah. has to star in everything. What about the girl who, pl- who played Christy? You guys remember those um, IFC commercials with the little girl who was the director? Oh, yeah. But she, like, that was three years ago, and she must be kind of horrid now. Yeah. She was this kind of horrid then. Maybe by the time this movie gets made, Dakota Fanning will play the grandma. <laughs> it's a 35-year-old yeah. book. But, yeah, it's a why well, hasn't that's it. Why movie? hasn't I mean, it, it was one of the most insanely popular, most influential books for teenage girls and, and their brothers. And, and, <laughs> and everyone's yeah. read it or knows about it. It's because it doesn't talk down to kids, I think, is why. But, they, but they, it that can be movie. changed, right? I mean, right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that they would make it a romance. They would never talk about uh, their menstruation. Yeah, what is well, the, what, but wait, what about, what about Blue Lagoon, right? Isn't that a big moment in Blue Lagoon? Doesn't she get her period? But that movie's 25 years old or more. You don't see movies like that now. Yeah, what, what, what's uh, like what about like other things? Like well, I mean, because teens are always talking about sex, right? I mean, things like cruel intentions and all that stuff. Yeah, and, and, and Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake. Yeah, the, the TV show. show. Every oh, time you TV. turn that on, it's like, you know, I have sex all the time. I'm 11 years old. I'm, I'm a hussy. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I do what I want. <laughs> You know, they're always in there, you know. Like, well, Ricky Lake could play the grandma. <laughs> yeah, Cartman. Cartman had a whole thing where you went on there. They just put out season six. Like, I'm out of control. I'll do what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Mar- Margaret would end up going to like that, that, that weird like boot camp. Thing, to like, stop her menstruation. Have, you know, the guy kind of on there who's camp. like. Who's like this kind of like marine Doctor Phil? He comes on there like <laughs> and like turns the kids around by making them do push-ups or something. Like you know, he brings them out there like Sergeant Push-up. Whatever you must, you like, must, you must decrease your flow. <laughs> you think calling your mom a whore is a good thing? Give me twenty push-ups. Say yes, sir. No, ma'am. <laughs> like I'm sorry, mom. I'll never do it again. I'll stop. You don't talk out. to God. You talk to Sergeant Bushup. Are you there, Sergeant Bushup? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> now, there's what about there's there's all those films that like the, the the mysterious films that the boys never got to see in grade school that were always like they were always also metaphorical with the with the menstruation, like movies like The Yellow Dress and some other. 
big famous ones. <laughs> Margaret and her friends watch one in the movie. In what the did, do you remember? What's the name of it? The yellow dress. Is there, it doesn't have a name. Yeah, well, the, the yellow dress is like you know. I can see where that's going. The yellow I dress is, is 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 one of these things where it's like uh, the the girl uh, and, and the and the mother are like are like you know they they see this department store window and and, and the girl says you know I want that dress. And he's like, well, that's a little too grown up for you. You need a, a little girl's dress. That's a that's a woman's dress. And then like later she has you, a period. And, and, and I thought you said like, you never saw these. Well, like you never got to see them at the time. And then like. And then, like later, like you know, after after you know, the curse of Eve strikes upon her. Uh, her mom says, "Okay, you're old enough for the uh, for the for the big girl dress now, or something like the, the that." That is dress. not where I thought that movie was going to go, oh. but I'm glad that that's where it went. Yeah, just like because it was like that symbolically. Now you're now you're an adult. You can wear the you know. You thought there'd be an embarrassing moment with, yeah. The yeah, with the yellow dress. Becoming yeah. well, the mixture of yellow and red. This was a movie red. made by like a junior high school boy, <laughs> which is like junior high school boys like made movies about menstruation, which would be uh, totally different days. Like you know, you'll bleed like an I, eternal wound <laughs> from between your thighs. I should make that an assignment for my high school film class, couple yeah. ninth grade boys. All right, your topic is menstruation. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're like some of them are gonna be like, "Men is in the word." Yeah, yeah, you can handle it. You bleed from somewhere. We're really not sure. Um, we think it's at your navel, so you have to put like a. Like if you a big, have any questions, go to the Bible and look under stigmata. <laughs> It's gonna be a mix of red crimson or with uh, the Fast and the Furious. So Cotton goes to Harlem. <laughs> wait, we've wait. Sil- we've silenced the funded team. <laughs> wait, this that was going somewhere before we d- were discussing the yellow dress. Yeah, no, well, I was just, I was gonna say one thing. You know, you were talking about Da Vinci Code because that movie had. So, wait, hold on, no, no, I was gonna go back to that for a minute because the the thing that they're screwing this around is really with really all a Da Vinci Code tie. No, the thing with the, that they're screwing with the, with the Da Vinci Code is they're actually kind of gutting out a lot of the the religious questioning that went on in the book because there's been so much there's been a mass organized Catholic and other Christian offshoot uh, you know religious group protests against the making of the movie first there was against the book but once they were doing the movie yeah. there was this like nationwide campaign on the grassroots Catholic Church and you know Christian Church level to you know to First of all, either to stop the movie from getting made at all or to affect, you know, the actual writing of the script. And so now what they've done is they've actually kind of gutted or neutered some of the more politically, you know, political, religious, sensitive aspects of the book. So this is what I'm thinking about. Like, are you, you know, are you there, God? You know, it's me, Margaret. That's what they would do to the book. They would make it and they would pack it with Hillary Duff and then they would somehow... You know, that's that's how they would mess it up on a, on a fundamental level. They would just have to get in there and so do away with this whole level of religious questioning that would not be allowed to be broached, especially if she exactly. Yeah, I think it, she would still talk to God, but it would be very benign. It would she help would, me do well on the test tomorrow. Kind of yes. stuff. Well, and she does ask things like that, but she also <laughs> says, I, I went to temple so. tonight. Please bring Granny back to life. <laughs> <laughs> I went to temple today, you know, and she does say, you know, I didn't feel you there. There's definitely where she's deeply questioning her faith in God. And I, there's, I don't think it, that can, that would fly in a movie about a teenage girl. I think it would be like, do, you know, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Does boy X like me? Uh, please make Boy X like me, and then Boy X would like her, and then maybe that's how she well, would maybe they would like have dumb, faith in God. Maybe they would just like dumb down the the God part. They'd be like, "Are you there, Madonna? It's me, Margaret." Like you know, it's like where she's like Brittany, trying to write letters be, yeah. to her favorite rock star or something <laughs> instead of like you know, 
instead of well god you know and maybe that's why it's never been made because there's a generation of people who've read the book and wouldn't stand i mean if they made a movie and gutted the the title no one would go see it margaret you know yeah that's it we just be called (laughs) margaret Or it's me. Are you there? Are you there, God? It's me, Madison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Margaret would have to go away. All right. Should we just move into Chester Himes? Yep. All right. Uh, Kant comes to Harlem. I mean, Chester Himes, who was a great writer, did a lot of A lit, and then he did a lot of B lit. Um, a lot of well, he did a whole series. I think nine books of what's called the Harlem Cycle with, uh, I mean, basically cop books, gritty cop books featuring uh, Coffin Ed and Grave Digger Jones or the two uh, the two cops in Harlem kind of trying to make sense. the Wu-Tang Clan? <laughs> I think they are the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I actually just read this recently and as I read it, I was saying this would make such a great book because, I mean, it's a cop movie, The crazy right? thing is that it already is a book. <laughs> it would make great, and what and the, and the pathetic thing is, it's actually, it's already a movie as well, which I've never seen. But that's not going to stop me from pontificating on how bad the movie A may have been, wow, Danny, or B will be. You're really putting your whole concept in jeopardy here. We can actually go out and and see the movie, and, see the movie that you're about to bash well, without yeah. having seen it. Well, no, I mean, that's what makes him a critic. <laughs> That's he can, he can talk shit about the movie without having actually seen it. I guess that's what separates the critics the from the pundits. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> or the pundits, even. Well, the movie was made in 1970 by Ozzie Davis, and it actually has a bit part by um, uh, Red Fox. Shady? No, oh, Red Fox. I got to see it. Red Fox. Um, and so that may have been good. But if we're made today, it would be terrible. I mean, if we're made then, who knows? But um, yeah. Well, there is a new 50 Cent you know, kind of crime I blockbuster coming out on Friday. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's I think... Look, it's looking pretty hard-boiled, Danny. Looks well, like okay, hard-boiled. Well, see, here's the thing. I mean, here's what I think makes the the, the books um, so good, right? I mean, it, it's obviously got all this good cop, bad cop, cops going to kind of believing in justice as opposed to the law. So these guys are willing to beat up the people they're investigating. What would you call those people? Perps. They're civilians. <laughs> They're willing to beat up civilians. Innocent to, people. <laughs> innocent. Well, no. See, they always know who's innocent. And oh, guilty, okay. Right? They know. They know. They, yeah, They're not they interested know. In, in the law. They're interested in justice, Come right? Here, Rodney. So that makes it good. But, um, right, I mean, I think there's this whole political aspect that, that all the books have, right? I mean, these guys, they're black cops in Harlem, and all their higher-ups are the white cops who... A, resent them because they're the only guys who can get anything done in Harlem. But at the same time, right, the people on the streets kind of distrust him because they're the cops and they're the man. So I may think there's this whole level of sort of, you know, racial issues and racial complexity that I don't think anyone ever wants to really deal with in in the movies. I mean, they're willing to say, you know you know, whitey's bad and black guys are good or something, or really, you know, things are bad in the ghetto, but here are these guys who they're, you know, no one really knows what to make them. A, they have their own sense of what justice is. The white folks don't like him. The black folks don't like him. Or not a lot of the black, you know, criminals certainly don't like them, but they have their people kind of pulling for them. So I think it's just this level, like that kind of stuff won't get handled. I mean, but what about something like Training Day? I mean, don't you think that, like, because of because of a movie like Training Day, that they couldn't make a really kind of hard boil? Training well, Day. Well, I, think the, I never the, saw the, Training Day. The really great hard boil one they made recently was Never Die Alone with DMX. That was made off uh, of Donald Goins' novel, and it was so dark and just so bleak that it just didn't do that well. I mean, every time they go that way and do stay true 
to a, to a book or whatever. It doesn't do that. Like Donald Goins, if you don't know, was like a iceberg slim typewriter. He wrote most of his stuff from from prison. His his his, uh, his mother was a prostitute, and he learned pimping from her from his mother's pimp. And he wrote a bunch of really good books. Uh, Never Die Alone was really good. And in the DMX movie, it was it was actually really true to that whole thing. It was like I, I think maybe the best best one. But yeah, if, if if it's done right, people just don't like to watch it. Would you envision it as a good movie as a period piece? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think there's something about the time period and I think about Harlem in that time period that I think would be really exciting. And I don't think there, I mean, are there a lot of movies set in that era that are really good that people can think of? Because I mean, the black, black, I mean, the black exploitation stuff, but there's something really goofy about a lot of those. A night in Harlem, you mean? Mm -hmm. Like that? Well, yeah, but that's a doc, right? Cotton Club? Was that? I don't think I saw that. I'm thinking of Great Day in Harlem. No, no, no. I'm thinking of, wasn't it A Night in Harlem? The one with Eddie Murphy. Right. Yes. That's no, what I was uh, no, thinking. No, you're thinking of the Cotton Club no. with... Night, wait, I know what you're talking about. The one with Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor? Yeah. Just because it's Harlem yeah, or Cotton in the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, no, no, but, but, but that yeah. one was played more as kind of a bit of like a broad... It was it was a bit more of a broad comedy in, in my mind, like as opposed to it being more of like a, a dark, you know, hard-boiled crime. It, in a way, I think something like this would have to be a period piece because... Again, I mean, I think a lot of the politics people wouldn't tolerate if we're set in the present day. I mean, right. I think the accusation level would be so high. I mean, I would say things, if you look at the book, things haven't changed between whatever, 1968 when this was written or 1969 and today. But I think it would it would actually be more palatable to people if it were set in the past. So you can kind of sweep it under the rug or this ha- as this happened 30 years ago, at least to some well, people. Well, I, I would think it would have to because otherwise, I mean, you're looking at stuff like The Shield or you're looking at, you know, the wire, wire, or you're looking at, you know, Training Day, or you know, and what was the Never Die Alone? Never Die, yeah. you know. I mean, I, 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 I would think that you'd be, you know, if you were to contemporize it, it would be, you know, you'd be looking at those kind of contemporary crime politics. Larry Cohen made a couple of good black films. He's a white director, later known for things like It's Alive. It's and Alive. Stuff. But his and first Quetzal movie was Quotal. his first movie was like my Quetzal favorite Yafit Koto role. Uh, called Bone. It was a movie called Bone. It was all about race. It was all about what how we perceive race. It was about ninety minutes of just you know stereotypes and how how true and false they are, and uh, just kind of like even kind of where you're kind of even doubting the reality of the film the whole way through. He talks a lot about like race and and stuff like that in the uh, in the black movies he made and uh, how it was kind of. A lot of it was kind of tentative. How people wanted him to change a lot of the stuff in there because it was just really harsh. You know, it's just you know a, a white a white police officer beating up a small black child. Like it was just really hard to to watch. You know, like can you cut that out? I was like, no, I need that because that's the guy who grows up to be the gangster. I think even in things like The Wire, where there are race, there are undertones about race. They don't ever address it as head on as. As Chester Himes, I haven't read Cotton Goes to Har- Comes to Harlem, but I read uh, If He Hollers, Let Him Go, which is just a brutal assessment of race in America in the 40s. And I think that with The Wire or something like that, you everybody's got shades of good and bad, but it never is. It never really talks about race and how the race politics evolve. And that's something I think that Hollywood is really afraid of. Yeah. They like religion. I mean, they just, they'll just gut it. I, I think the way this would be ruined, I mean, it would just it would stick to the action, it would stick to the cop, it would stick to the crime stuff when it would make any issues of race. Yeah. Very, very glossed over or very just sort of the obvious 
the obvious points. I mean, you know, I mean, I think too. I mean, it would turn it into some buddy movie. I mean, these the the, the two cops, they're buddies, but they also they yeah. have their kind of minor, you know, issues with each other. They handle things different. Yeah. You know, I mean, it would, did you see the Bad Boys movies? <laughs> no. Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. And like there, it's it's one of like what I call it, like like those those movies like incredibly mainstream, and they had two black leads, but two black leads that white people love a whole lot, you know. Yeah. And it's like kind of like the the safe black choices as, as far as actors go, and it, like that's that's always a thing too. Of like yeah, it's like those are very much buddy movies. Like one cop is flamboyant and takes risk, and the other cop. He's a family man and plays it by the book, you know. And you know, Martin Lawrence gets hit in the nuts like in every in every <laughs> sequel. Like you that's know, hysterical. That, yeah. he's, Nobody you know. can cross his eyes in ball pain like Martin Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? We all have to pay for it. Well, I mean, it, it, what's funny is do the right thing too. I think it's the one movie that actually gets a level of complexity mm-hmm. right and though i think that film opened up the doors for a lot of black directors yeah. i don't think anything I, has been that yeah. complex since right right so of all these which would make the worst movie of all these books that we have yeah i think con comes to harlem would make the most boring movie oh i mean the way they would ruin it would just be like just a boring cop yeah but i think that about are you there got it to me margaret would just become this really bland banal teen story with no well, the teen, the teen stories tend to be, even the crappy teen movies tend to be exciting sometimes. Because they have a good soundtrack filled with <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no. Um, is, this, have- is this the first? It, it's, it's really kind of the advent of the, it's not just the, the chiclet thing, but also a bit of tween Tween, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, which, you know, which yeah, this wasn't part of, and now that both proto, of those it's things, proto it's, tween, it's proto tween, right, <laughs> it's better being proto tween than proto data. It's when the people well, came up with the word tween, word tween. I honestly, I just, I keep thinking that you know, the some of the art, the finer points about the the art aspects of of uh, burnt orange heresy would just be so completely lost <laughs> on the American public that yeah. they would. Uh, they would have to resort to violence in the theater. <laughs> I think they'd make the biggest mess out of Burnt Orange Heresy. Yeah, and no one would go see it. They'd make a mess. It would be terrible, and no one would go see it. Um, it would be like yeah. Get We're, Shorty, the like, second like, Get Shorty movie. Oh, yeah. What was that, that the one? second Get Shorty no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Be yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, God, that was horrible. Yeah, well, it was and, that and, was constantly like winking at the screen. And it's like get shorty was all you know. And Hamon or I would be the most disappointing because people would be mm-hmm. like, "I just gotta go see it," and then you'd you'd just be angry. You'd like have to punch the person you went with. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, oh, that was just <laughs> terrible. Bam. You know. I asked Danny what song would they put in the trailer for the movie of the book that you talked about that would be well, just what what song would it be? Would it be appropriate or inappropriate? But well, for Hamari, like Born to Run or something. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> they would, yeah. They would have like a like a yeah Bob Seger song, like you know, like, against the wind. Yeah, like yeah, some kind of Night Bob moves. Seger like ballad. Like you yeah, know, he grew up with a horrible father. <laughs> he went to school where no one liked him. <laughs> what would they What would they do for uh, for Margaret? Wildly and appropriately, they would do uh, maybe Britney Spears's uh, not. Yet a oh, good, uh, not yet a woman, not a girl. What, that song, but probably oh, yeah. uh, something more upbeat, like a when it, some any Ashley Simpson song. Yeah, I think I think with the Bukowski thing, the thing that would be that he really liked. He liked classical music. They that would was, never do that. Yeah, yeah, they would. That they, that was pretty much the only Unless thing that romance. he like talked well about throughout his life. And the, the only kind of constant thing that he loved throughout his life, he found classical music and, and listened to it intensely. And 
for it be really about him just really have that stuff in there but you know they kind of like if they went kind of the art house road they would go to like people like tom waits or whatever to have kind of like yeah oh yeah steve Earle, like you know kind of like the 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 bad boys and the gruff voices for the songs and then if you know if, if it they were going for the teen market because it's a teen coming of age <laughs> story, right? Yeah, right? yeah they yeah, go for it, the angst ridden like Slipknot. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask who uh, uh, Jimmy Buffett, Jimmy Buffett for uh, for the Wilford. Right, I think they, they really missed their chance to throw in some Jimmy Buffett in my, into Miami Blues, but I think uh, <laughs> a little changes in attitudes, changes in latitudes, <laughs> changes in attitude, changes in latitude. to the left, fins to the right. <laughs> well, and for the Himes book, I mean, whatever you know kanye right yeah the jesus walks jesus walks yeah yeah there's there's a lot of ways a lot i think a lot more ways they could ruin cotton they could take it so many other ways i mean they could turn it into like a comedy kind of like a kind of like a like a like you know like a like a method man of busted rhymes like weed smoking well the thing i mean the thing is i mean himes is a really funny writer and i mean i think the thing Mm -hmm. that's cool about the book is his observations you know and his setups of scenes are really funny and even a lot of the dialogue is, but it's again, it's a sort of very serious, sort of political, you know, I mean, issue oriented um, book. And I think in the in the Ozzie Davis version, I mean, they they talk a lot about it being a comedy, which a lot of the black exploitation stuff was. So I think it's this thing: you can't have a serious film that has elements of comedy yeah. mm-hmm. in it. Like no one does that well. So it's like you got to pick: you're just going straight cop drama, or you're going comedy. And I think mm-hmm. that would be one way yeah. that they would really kind of reduce it down. Has anybody, has anybody seen any that uh, get Richard Die trying? Yeah, I just, I was just kind of curious about that one because that was another thing. It's like they pick a lot of these things and like, oh, we'll have to be a vehicle for the latest, you know, pop rap star. And uh, you know, it, I get what, what's kind of odd about <laughs> about Fitty or Curtis Jackson as he's going by now uh, is, is that he's changed the, his name, Curtis Curtis Fitty Cent Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Say, can you hear the, the quotation marks in that? <laughs> yes, I can. Curtis, 50 Cent, Jackson. I think we should change the name of the show to Air Quotes. Didn't yeah. we have that? I think I cut that, that out last did? week. Is, yeah. Right? Yeah. is that one going to hit the cutting room floor again? Down. I'm just going to yeah. keep resuscitating all, <laughs> we, we of my, seen... all of my B-minus ideas. Yeah. <laughs> in, in all the trailers. like I'm all... going to have an entire episode called B-minus Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> you should change your name to Tony B-minus. <laughs> Tony B-roll. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in, in summation. Oh, let's see. Uh, let's in summation. I believe that only Danny chose a mo- chose a uh, a book that had been made into a movie, and the rest of us were left to hang out to dry by by a, 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 a game of kind of pop, Fox. pop culture conjecture. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I guess I'd like to think that some of these movies that were really we'd like to see these movies get made, but it's just that fear of of how it would go so horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like I, next, I, next week, I'll pick like To Kill a Mockingbird or something like that. It's already been made. Be like, <laughs> you know, how to, this movie's great. Seen, I've never seen To <laughs> this Kill a movie, Mockingbird. Has anyone here seen that that movie? But this movie's I, great. <laughs> but here's how they would have ruined it had they ruined it. Well, I mean, this could this could apply to remakes, right? Well, that's the conversation we were having. Yeah. Weren't we? Ha- were we having this conversation about like, why don't they remake? The bad. Why are they always just <laughs> screwing with the classics? Yeah, I mean, there, yeah. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad movies that you're like, I can't believe how bad that movie was. It could have been so good, or something only. that was good all the way up till almost the end, and then you're like, oh, you know. When William Friedkin was at the Roxy a couple, actually a few years ago, and there was a question and answer session at the end, 
And uh, my brother and I are really big fans of The Sorcerer, which is his remake of Wages <laughs> oh, yeah. of Fear. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was kind of – I wanted to ask him about To Live and Die in L.A., but then I don't know what happened at the last second. Like, he, you know, he was still taking questions from the audience, and I, I said – and I really wanted to know why did you? You know, you choose... brought this movie up last time as well. No, I think, it, yeah, no, you you brought up Wang Chung. Oh yeah, oh, to live and die in LA. <laughs> yeah, and I believe well, I cut that out last time. Just, I mean, you can proceed. No, no, but this isn't about to live and die in LA. This is about sorcerer. Because then I asked Friedkin, and I said, "Well, why did you choose to remake Wages of Fear?" And he jumped down my throat. He just was like, "Well, you can make remake a movie, and you know everybody remakes movies, and this is, you know, I don't know why you're picking on me for, you know." Oh. And started, he got like he got really upset that, yeah. And I was just like, I just wanted to know why. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a problem with him doing it. I mean, so he, I he could have made movie. any movie in the world after a. You know, French Connection and Exorcist, and he made that movie. Oh, by the Why way, did he make that movie? Well, in summation, I think this was also a oh, secret. Yeah, everyone has other to have a summation like. yes. that, that moves into five minutes of tangential discourse. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I do think that this was a uh, secret promotion for the upcoming Da Vinci Code film starring uh, Tom Hanks and Audrey Tattoo. I just want to get that last plug uh, in. Actually, you, secret? It, you didn't get your check. <laughs> In summation, I think this is actually a plug for uh, Bucky's 500 films in a year in Netflix <laughs> yeah. blog on yeah, KQED, yeah. Yeah, look for that. where you'll be discussing commentary tracks. <laughs> now, will you be watching? Okay, are you going to be watching films that you've already seen? No, no, no films I've already seen. What about commentary tracks? I, 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 I get commentary tracks when it depends on who it is and when the movie is made. Usually there has to be a little hindsight for me to, you know, like if the guy, if a director made, you know, the commentary track like 20, 30 years later, uh, or if it's a famous scene or something, I'll, I'll turn on the commentary track and listen to it. But yeah, if it's a movie that was made last year, like all the actors on there are talking about like, oh, remember the sandwiches that day? They were great. Like, they're not really, really talking about the movie. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be watching 500 movies in a year you might, from Netflix. You might, might, I'd, you, I'd like to point out that only two you, episodes into uh, into this <laughs> into this podcast that it's been basically exposed as a, a viral marketing stunt. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm just saying that like it's a bad thing. Yeah, well, you, you might start your Netflix queue with Cotton Comes to Harlem. Though I think it's only available on VHS. Well, see, it's got to be it's, – it's I'm going through Netflix, and that's the thing. It's like, can – like, because they allow you to f- put 500 discs in your queue. And so, can you watch those in a year? Because I've had, you know, I've got about 400 in there right now. And I've, I've had this thing for three years. I've never emptied my queue ever. And I'm just going to, I'm going to give it and give it the old college try. You know, like, let's, let's see. Can or we do die this? die trying. Yeah, yeah. Watch <laughs> movies or die trying. Like, it's really like, well, no, but, it's well, really not that bold. Good, like, what would be good is if you took a contract out on your life. That could only be voided if you watch all 500 movies, you know. So, like the first ten, I, I, the first ten episodes would be kind of interesting. The next about 400, not so interesting. But then you kind of hit 410, and people would be just glued. Danny, can we come back next week and talk about books on tape that failed as adaptations? <laughs> yes. I- I'd really, really like to recommend the Danny Glover book on tape of Dennis <laughs> Wait, Robbins. Wait, you tried this last <laughs> week, too. Didn't he? It's like the... I'm recycling oh, that's all it, my- That's it. That's it. <laughs> Your microphone is off. This show is over.